You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. First Peter chapter one verses three to nine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord for our church and it is given for our Well, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Allison. Let's pray before we reflect on this passage. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story. The fact that in history, your son came to this earth, died on the cross, and you were pleased with his life and with his sacrifice, and you resurrected him from the dead. And because of his resurrection, we can be filled with hope. Through this passage, would you send your spirit upon us that we might be filled with hope? We ask in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, a few months back, actually prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, a neighbor of mine down the street asked my opinion about a book he had been reading. It was a book called Homo Deus. The subtitle was A Brief History of Tomorrow by the philosopher and historian Yuval Noah Harari. This book was an international bestseller. It was translated into English and first published here around 2017. This book was filled with an approach and a view about God and hope that left me perplexed. Here's one uh, quote I found in the book that really, really caused me to raise my eyebrows. Listen closely as I read. At the dawn of the third millennium, the author writes, humanity wakes up to an amazing realization. Most people rarely think about it. But in the last few decades, we have managed to reign in famine, plague, and war. Of course, these problems have not been completely solved, but they have been transformed from incomprehensible and uncontrollable forces of nature into manageable challenges. We don't need to pray to any god or saint to rescue us from them. We know quite well what needs to be done in order to prevent famine, plague, and war. And we usually succeed in doing it. Harari's thesis is simple. There was a time when humanity needed God, and God provided them hope for a brighter future, but that time is gone. We have what it takes to bring about a future that is filled with hope. We have in the human collective mind enough power for us, so the author argues, to have hope about what lies ahead tomorrow. Human ingenuity, technological advances, have given us all we need, and for that, the author says, we should be people filled with hope. Now, this book was published not even five years ago, 
And my guess is if it was published again today, I don't even know if the publishers would allow sentences like this to make it onto the shelves. Even if it did get published, I highly doubt it would become a bestseller. Because what have we learned? The very technologies which have created incredible wealth, technologies like the ease of transportation, have also created a situation in which a virus can spread so quickly throughout the whole world, slowing down the whole global economy. And not only that, the same technological advances which stimulated economic growth have also put us in a situation where we are battling with climate change. Technologies like social media have made communication so simple and so easy, and yet they've also created incredible echo chambers, and uh, they've created environments for fake news to flourish. Partisan politics has made it such that most in the West wouldn't be surprised if a civil war comes at some point. Here we are not even five years after the publishing of these sentences, and names like George Floyd, and hashtags like Stop Asian Hate, make us question the author's path towards hope. This is all to say little of the millions of self-interest actions that are, take place in business and in government, the predatory business practices that prey upon the poor, racial bias in governing policies, racial bias in our own individual hearts, arrogance, pride, dishonesty, corruption. Hope and human ingenuity, hope and human technology if not dead, has definitely been set back. We are entering into a hopeless age. My goodness, even our boats are getting stuck in our canals. You see, Easter is a day in which we remember an event that happened in history. And it's an event that unleashes a type of hope, a living hope in our world today. Not a dead hope. Not a hope that can change over time. And this is what Peter writes to this church, which is experiencing various trials and griefs, as we see in verse 6. He offers to them and reminds them that in Jesus, they now have access to a living hope. So what I want to talk about this morning is what is this living hope? And then I want to ask, how do we experience this living hope now? So first, what is this living hope Peter is referring to? We see it in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Now, the rest of the passage really is like branches off a tree trunk to this central theme, this theme of a living hope that the Christian has been born into. And the question we must be asking is, what is this living hope? Well, verse 3 tells us that this living hope is given to us through the resurrection of Jesus. We might say that what God did for Jesus on that first Easter has become for the Christian a source of hope. And since Jesus is no longer dead and in the tomb, but since he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, this hope is not a dead hope, but a living hope, a hope that has defeated and conquered death. Simple enough, you say, you probably assumed I would speak about something like this on an Easter Sunday. But how is... Jesus' resurrection hope for us today. It's interesting that the biblical word translated hope here is a little bit more uh, specific. It almost refers to something that is more in line almost with certainty, kind of a profound confidence or certainty in something. And Peter is saying that the fact that Jesus of Nazareth died and resurrected from the dead gives to us a certainty, a confidence about our future. 
And it's not a hope based on human ingenuity, our scientific advancement. For these things will let us down. They are hopes that can die. But our hope, the hope that we have, is that what God did for Jesus, He will do for all His people. And this gives us a vision, a picture, that inspires and fills us with hope as we take on whatever might fall in front of us. God's people, you should know, have always expected some kind of resurrection. There were few people debating whether or not there would be a resurrection, but the general consensus was, at the end of time, after all of human history had played out, after God had allowed all the human beings to be born, that He wanted to be born uh, within human history, history would come to a climactic end, and it would end with the resurrection of all people, those who were evil to judgment, those who are righteous, to a, a renewed world in paradise with God. And everyone was waiting for that day, preparing for that day. But on that first Easter, it was as though the future reached back into the past. And in the middle of history, one man, God raises from the dead and stamps his approval. And not only that, gives him this renovated and restored and renewed body as the down payment, as the beginning of the new creation. Peter is arguing that if the resurrection happens somewhere, it's going to happen everywhere. If this, if this resurrection happened to someone, it's going to happen eventually to everyone. Jesus has resurrected from the grave. He's experienced this renovated body. And we now have seen and know with confidence what the future will look like. And this gives to us a living hope. What He has, we can have. Our future is certain. It is saved like an inheritance, secured in heaven. And that's a hope that changes everything, even in the face of various trials that the church is facing, as we read about in verse 6. Maybe I could illustrate it this way. A couple months back, my family got uh, very much, we started enjoying a show called Blown Away. It's filmed in Hamilton. It was about glass blowing. And we started the show in season two just based on a Netflix recommendation, and we really loved it. All the kids loved watching it. But mid-season two, the winner from season one came and helped and served as a judge of one of the competitions during season two. Now, what did that mean for my family and I at the time? It meant very little. But when we finished season two and we wanted to go back and watch season one, what happened? Well, because we saw this woman judge in season two, we knew she was going to win, which meant there was not the same tension, not the same stress and drama of competition as we watched season one. But in a strange way, we were also able to enjoy and take in the various glass that was made and the, and the sculptures that were made uh, by people during the show. Why? Because we knew how it ended. We weren't stressed about who was going to win, but we were able to enjoy the pieces of art that were made. Peter is saying, when you see God's future, this gives you a living hope in the face of anything. Knowing, you, you're, knowing how your, your life ends transforms how you experience the present. Think of it. Who wants to watch a movie when you already know the ending? Who watches a sports game on replay when you already know the final score? Never do we really enjoy watching these things the same way as when we watch them live. Why is that? Because the tension has, is lost. There's not the agony. There's not the edge of the seat moment. You must understand 
We all live lives with some sort of assumption about how things are going to end, how things are going to wrap up. And the way we live in the present, we believe, is preparing us for some kind of ending, even if that ending is vague and mysterious and unknown to us. We might not know the future, but we might hope that if we just maintain good health, we improve our odds of doing well in whatever the future holds. We might not know the future, but we assume if we just advance professionally, that will sort of protect us at the end. Or maybe we don't know the future, but we assume if we just develop some kind of status or recognition, or maybe we develop a fortune, a good portfolio, at the end of time, the odds are we will do okay while others are struggling. Our lives are all subtly pointed towards some kind of hope we have that we will win in the end, that we will do better than others in the ending. We orient our life towards that hope. But you see, these things that we put our hope in, they are not living. And we will experience them dying out. Those who are obsessed with savings, I've talked to some of you. What are you doing right now to prepare for the inflation that most likely is coming? Those who put all your hope in health, what are you going to do in the face of an accident? Or when sicknesses spread again, possibly another pandemic, how are you going to ensure that you have a good ending? Sadly, most of us begin to lose hope that we will have any sort of advantage in the future. And so what do we do? We numb the pain through entertainment and sadly even substance abuse. The resurrection offers to us a living hope. It tells us, here's how to win in the future. Jesus won. He resurrected. He had a renewed and restored body. God approved of his work. Death cannot destroy us. This is the living hope. That even in the hardest of circumstances, God is guiding history, every turn of it, not towards some vague afterlife, but towards a resurrection and a renovation of his people and the entire cosmos. Everything will be restored as Jesus is a preview. And this hope changes everything. But how do we know that's good news for us? It's good news for Jesus. But what about you? What about me? What about now? Why is the fact that Jesus heard that he was approved good news for us? How do we experience this living hope now? You see, the assumption of the author is this hope isn't something that comes one day down the road, but this is something that we have received. And how have we received it? What does the author say? We've experienced it through God causing us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus. Now, this seems strange. Peter almost makes us passive in how this living hope comes inside of us. God causes us to be born again to a living hope? What role did you play in your birth? It just happened to you. You just open your eyes and realize, I've been born. What do you do to get this living hope? You do nothing. Jesus did it all. Sin, death, evil, the devil, all were, received a mortal blow at the cross. And when Jesus rose from the dead, all the enemies of God knew it. Their end is sure. They have lost and Jesus has won. And if Jesus lived on our behalf and in our place, if he died on our place on the cross, as he said, if he was raised even in our place, then all you need is to feel your need of him. To know you need someone like him to rescue and save you and take you into this world that is to come. And if you feel that desire to be part of God's renewed and restored work, you have to realize that you can't earn it, that you can't save enough to pay for it, 
that you can't maintain good enough help, health to carry you into that world to come. You have to acknowledge you are hopeless, but put your hope in the resurrected Jesus, that he made a way, that he paved a way into this world to come. This is what the Bible calls faith, saying, Jesus, I believe you are presently alive. Please help. Show me the way. And when, that ha- when you pray that, when you ask that, this living hope is planted inside of you, planted deep inside of me. And we can maintain hope in the midst of a hopeless time. In fact, even now, if you're feeling a desire to experience this hope, it's a good sign that your eyes may just be open and you may be taking in a new world that you've been born into. Lay hold of this hope. Let me conclude this way. C.S. Lewis ends his children's book series, The Chronicles of Narnia in the Last Battle, with this line. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this, the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever, and which every chapter is better than the one before. As you go on into your day, hunting Easter eggs, eating feasts, maybe missing the way things once were, my challenge to you this Easter is to spend some time concentrating, rejoicing, reflecting, marinating, reorienting your heart to the hope that is in front of you, the only living hope that is available to you. New heavens and new earth have been purchased by and guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus. And all those who call upon his name will be brought into this world. Jesus died. He rose again. So all you need to do is trust in him. So today, eat well and drink well, for you have a certain hope. Put your full hope in Christ. And after you suffer on this earth a little while, your life will go on forever in a world where each chapter is better than the one before. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at christchurchtoronto.ca or email us at info at christchurchtoronto.ca.